0: open to Ephesians these days. Uh, This is the second last message. So there is life after Ephesians, um, but we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6 today, and we're going to be talking about workplace dynamics. So whether you are unemployed, whether you're wanting to be employed, whether you are employed, whether you employ people or will one day employ people, this message is for you. And the big idea of all of Scripture, remember this is a letter to a group of believers in Ephesus, the big idea of Scripture and of this book is that having been saved, that's what the start of this book is all about, our great salvation, that salvation must affect every area of your life. And so we've been looking at how it affects all relationships, how it affects marriage, how it affects parents and children. Now we're going to be looking at workplace dynamics. Your faith shouldn't just be for Sunday. Your faith must affect every aspect of life. Amen. I don't want to discourage you, but Monday is just one sleep away. Monday is just one sleep away. And so I wanted to ask this question, what is your relationship with work and or with those who work around you or who you work with? You know, work is a massive part of most of our lives. And so whether you're looking for work, whether you can't find work, whether you have work, or whether you have people working for you, work is a really big part of our lives. In fact, they say that you will work for approximately 85 to 100,000 hours of your life you will spend working. It's over 20 to 25% of your life you will spend working. You know, our relationship with work is also complicated. It's not just that we spend a lot of time there. For many people, they look to work not just for their provision, but for the sense of who they are, that work is going to define me. Work will actually say who I am. So if you ask people who they are, they'll normally give you their name, and then if if you ask another question, they'll tell you what they do for work. And it's almost like people are not just looking to work for provision, but for identity, for self-worth, and for significance. And yet work can be very polarizing for us emotionally. Work can either be massively positive or massively negative, but it's not normally neutral. Work doesn't normally have no effect on your emotions. It either really has a positive effect or a negative effect. And lastly, if you're thinking about work, work is full, just think of your workplace. Work is full of people that you did not choose to work with and would not choose if you had the option to choose. True story. And so in this penultimate message in Ephesians, we're gonna look at how salvation, the gospel, affects workplace dynamics. And I believe, just like when I preached about marriage, As Rob preached about uh, uh, parents and children, the gospel wants to redeem, wants to put back, wants to restore what's been lost because of the fall. You see, you might be surprised to discover this, but just like marriage is a creation ordinance, just like marriage was there right at the beginning in the garden before the fall, when you think of paradise you might not think of work. You might think more like this. I don't see an office there. I don't see a boss. I don't see anything. When you think of the word paradise, which is the word that the Bible uses for the Garden of Eden, you're probably thinking something like this. But in fact, the Bible says that the picture of paradise in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, in the garden there was work. There was responsibility and there was purpose. And that work wasn't burdensome, it wasn't stressful, it wasn't painful, it was not hard but it was fulfilling and it was full of purpose. In fact, work is part of what God called in Genesis chapter 1 verse 31, it is part of what God declared, this is very good. Work was part of the perfect design of God in the garden. You might say, (laughs) ha But you don't know my boss or the people that I work with. Well, actually, I do. Uh, I know I work for the church now, but before that, I had a real job. And uh, I studied and I got a degree. Stop laughing, those people who are laughing. I studied and got a degree at UCT and a postgraduate degree in teaching. And then I taught for only six months. Uh, because I got offered an opportunity to jump into a, a business in the financial services sector. And so I decided to take that job, even though I got no salary. I was paid by commission only. And then the news they broke to me was, oh, by the way, you need to buy yourself a car, a laptop, a cell phone, and hire a secretary from Xeris. And I was like, minus 10,000 Rand on day one. And oh, here here's 1,500 people to phone cold calling. Yikes, that's how I started work. And uh, after a while, I left that uh, environment, uh, met some very ungodly, greedy, stressed-out, paranoid clients who were worshipping money, uh, and ended up starting a business uh, in the employee benefits uh, consulting uh, field. And I assisted uh, with boards of management with companies, helping to mediate workplace tensions I saw blatant corruption in the workplace. I saw greed. I saw the abuse of power and self-gain. I had staff steal money from me. Business associates defraud us. I, I led this business with two other partners. I know the feeling of not having enough money to pay your own staff or to pay the rent and the sense of, Business risk, the threats of changes in the economy and the effect on your business. So I do understand, even though I'm a pastor, I do understand what work is like. I know, we know, I think you'd agree with me that the workplace doesn't feel like paradise anymore. Remember I said it was there in the garden, God said it was very good. But I think you'd agree with me that the workplace for many people doesn't feel like paradise anymore. And that's because it's been damaged. It's been distorted by the fall. And so now there is brokenness. When it comes to work, there is pains. There there is pain, thorns, sweat, pressure, stress, abuse of power, abuse of privilege. These are all the experiences we experience in work. Every one of us knows someone or has themselves been impacted by a CCMA case that either you've attended or you've actually been part of. Uh, Retrenchment, unemployment, underpayment, late payment, or bankruptcy. The workplace is not paradise anymore, can you agree with me? But when God saves us, the good news of the gospel begins to redeem everything. Everything that's been broken in our lives and in our society, the gospel doesn't just change your eternal address The gospel transforms every aspect of your life, and that should include work, which is what our passage is about today. You see, Ephesians 2 verse 8 says that we were saved by grace through faith, and having been saved, Ephesians 2.10 says we were saved for good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 5, 21 says, now we're to love and revere everyone. We're to submit to all people because we're actually submitting to Jesus. And Ephesians 5, verse 1 says that we're to walk in love because we've been loved by God. And so how should the gospel that's in Ephesians affect our workplace? Let's read our passage for today. And I urge you to not check out because it's addressed to slaves. Uh, in the ESV translation, the first word is bondservants. Your translation might say slaves. We'll get to that in a moment. Bondservants or slaves, obey your earthly masters. Huh, this isn't going the way I want it to go. Bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleases, but as bond servants, slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord, not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no partiality, no favoritism in him. Wow, so let's jump straight into this passage. Does this passage still apply to us? Slavery was abolished, Gareth, does this still apply to us? Is this passage relevant? The underlying word doulos, which is translated as slave or bond servant, refers to someone who is owned by someone else, therefore they work for them, or someone who in Roman culture sold themselves to someone else because they had a debt to pay, so there was a bond to pay, and so because of that debt, they sold themselves for a period, normally seven years, to pay their debt back, and then after they'd worked for seven years, they were free. So slave, bond servant, those words can feel like a million miles away from 2019, especially if you're a millennial this morning, who has deeply embraced the notions floating around Instagram in our day. Here are the notions for millennials. Find your dream job where you get to do what you love most. Follow your heart and don't settle for a job that you are not passionate about. No sarcasm in my voice. Anyone who's willing to be honest about work will have to pop the bubble for the millennial though. Because after some time, the realities of real life, not Instagram, start to dawn on you. That that dream job maybe doesn't exist for 99% of the people on the planet. And if it does exist, it probably doesn't pay you enough to survive, or you're not qualified enough to get it. And reality says that there's an awful lot of work to be done in the world and in life that no one dreams about, but it will pay the bills at the end of the day. Friends, I don't think the concept of a bond servant is that foreign to our modern concept of employee. An employee is someone who has traded in their freedom You can't go to the beach tomorrow morning, no matter how nice the weather is, or you shouldn't. You can't just sleep in whenever you want to. You've traded in that freedom. You've submitted yourself to the demands of someone else. You've decided to give your time and your energy to a boss or a company in exchange for money. That's an em- we call that an employee. Is it that different from the concept of I have a debt to pay and so I'm gonna work for you for seven years and then I'll be free? I think this passage is abundantly relevant for us today. So let's take four things out of it. Three for those who are employees and one for those who work or employ others. Firstly, what does this passage tell us to do? In light of the gospel, if you're an employee in any way, The first thing is, work for God regardless of who you're working for. Just tell the person next to you, work for God regardless of who you're working for. Just quickly tell them. That's verses 5 and 6. You can go look it up in your Bible. This Scripture says that the Christ follower, even though the HR department might say, no, you report to Sue, this, by, this scripture says that ultimately you don't report to Sue, you report to Jesus Christ. That's your ultimate boss. Verse 6. So even though you work for someone else, you hear their instructions and commands every day and you go, ah. Actually, you're working for Jesus Christ. So actually, ultimately, your service for Sue is trumped by your service for Jesus Christ. Sorry if your boss is Sue. As for your master, you you to work for your master, you to work for your earthly master, you work for Sue as if you were working for Jesus. You to obey, you to submit to, you to work with those who work with you in the workplace and over you in the workplace, you to have the attitude, it says in verse five, of sincere heart obedience as if you were serving Jesus Christ. That's the heart In fact, there are three phrases in this passage that speak about the heart that you're supposed to have as a believer at work. This is a very challenging statement. Can you agree with me? Who do you work for? (laughs) This is a very challenging statement. To serve whoever Sue or whoever your boss is as you serve Jesus, I'll tell you why this is such a challenging statement. Because it doesn't say if your boss is nice to you, or if you do have that dream job that fulfills you, it doesn't say serve well if you're really happy at work. It just says obey. It's just a categorical statement. And so this is a very, very challenging statement. So it tells us to work well with those who are in authority over us. Scripture, friends, calls us to be the most remarkable employees, to have an incredible attitude, sometimes in spite of the circumstances within which you're working. It's not really difficult to have a good attitude when the circumstances are really good. It's difficult to have a good attitude when the circumstances you work in are not good. Would you agree with me? And so this passage is speaking to many of you today. We as Christ followers are to serve Jesus in the way that we serve those that we work with and we work for. We're to do this with an attitude and an action that has sincerity of heart at the core. You might say, why? Why are we to work like this? You're really freaking me out this morning. I'm sorry about that. But the reason that we're to do this according to Scripture, I believe, is because we're ambassadors of Jesus Christ you are like a billboard. You're know, on the side of the freeway, those massive 10 meter by five meter high billboards. You're like a billboard for Jesus in the workplace. Many of those that you work with or for will never come to church, so God sent you to them to show them what real faith, what a Christ follower looks like. You are not meant to primarily preach to them standing at the water cooler with your Bible, just dishing out verses for the day. You are not primarily there to share verses from Scripture, although you might do that, but you're there to impact them with your life and the way that you actually serve. You to be such an exceptional employee that they want to know why you work so hard. God has you there to put real faith, real love, real forgiveness on display. You might say, well, basic conditions of Employment Act, CCMA, human rights, Instagram. Doesn't this make people open to abuse? To you, I just wanna say verse nine is coming. When Scripture gives you no clarification, no if statement here when it says, obey your masters. It's a little bit similar to the command for a wife to submit to her husband. That submission is not absolute in the sense that she should never submit or agree to participate in any sin or ungodliness. She's never to submit in a way that she's accepting abuse, etc. Can we agree on that? If you didn't hear the message on that, go listen to the whole message online from two weeks ago. Similarly, this instruction to submit, to obey your your earthly masters doesn't mean accept anything, do anything, even if your boss is telling you to do an unlawful thing because your ultimate submission is to Jesus Christ. Sometimes you might have to say, sorry guys, I'm not participating in this because I have an ultimate one that I'm submitting to. But you need to do that with a good attitude and a good heart. So the general attitude that we're to have as believers is one of submission to authority, working with those who are over us in the workplace as if we were actually submitting to Jesus Christ. We're to think of ourselves as working ultimately for Jesus and so in the workplace, I would encourage you regularly to take everything to God in prayer. If your workplace environment is complex, if there are complex issues happening, I encourage you to regularly pray, Jesus, Holy Spirit, what should I do in this situation? Because He's the one you ultimately are reporting to. You. Just let's bring this to a close on this, on this first topic. I wanna ask you three questions. How is your attitude to authority in the workplace. Hopefully you're not self-righteous. Hopefully you're not a pain at work. What's your attitude like to authority? That's what this scripture would be saying. Can you sincerely say that you are obeying, submitting, that you're working with those who are over you, with an attitude that is godly? I wanna to say to you, it is quite possible that this morning you need to repent because maybe you've, un, you've justified an ungodly attitude and God wants you to be different. Friend, if that's you, I want you to hear God's word to you today. Just simply say, Lord, actually I've got this wrong. I've never seen it like this. That's fine, you can just take it to Jesus. You say, please forgive me and ask him to help you to redeem work for you starting tomorrow. Secondly, from our passage, kind of fleshes us out a little bit more by saying in verses six and seven, work hard with a good heart. We're to be people of integrity. We're to be hard workers who go above and beyond what we've been asked to. We we, we to be those who actually don't even need to be managed because we self-manage ourselves. Why? Because we know the one that we're actually serving and we know he sees everything. I used to have someone uh, uh, who used to work for me, uh, not in this church. Her name was Angela, and uh, she had mastered the art of looking busy. Do you know what this looks like? She had a a desk job in front of a computer, she had mastered the art of looking busy, but I knew her tricks. Solitaire was about all you could play when I was working, okay, and uh, she loved solitaire, just i never told her that I knew, but she played a lot of solitaire and she had mastered the that would switch between the, the screen she was supposed to be on and the solitaire screen. You know, for me, when I see this phrase in this passage that we're not to be people pleasing and serving with eye service, what that's getting at is we're not to just look like we're working, we're actually to be working. I like the message paraphrase Uh, in six and seven, because it it brings it out. So I'll have it up on the screen. He says this, don't just do what you have to do to get by. Work heartily as Christ's servants, doing whatever God wants you to do and work with a smile on your face. Come on, man. Always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. And so I wanna encourage you. you. You know what this looks like, don't you? Doing just enough to get by, taking a slightly long lunch, stealing time, cutting corners, and justifying it all. Friends, we're not to be these employees. We're to be employees with a good attitude, not a bad attitude, not the grumbling grouch at the water cooler. We're to be the opposite of such a person at work. We're to work heartily with enthusiasm, with a genuine smile on our dial. Why? Because we're actually serving Jesus Christ. We to be the best people to employ on the planet. Just tell your neighbor that. We to be the best people to employ on the planet. Please tell them. And sometimes that's not what I hear in the workplace about Christians. But the gospel would make you the best employee, which brings us to our third instruction for employees. Here's how to double your salary. Anyone else want to double their salary? Without any more work. Okay, here, note, work for eternity, not just for the paycheck at the end of this week or at the end of the month. This is the motivation for why we should work so hard with a good attitude, apart from just loving Jesus and having Him as our master. Work for eternity, not just for the paycheck at the end of the week or month. One of the motivations here is obviously to who are we working for, that's Jesus. But in verse 8, there's another motivation that's quite specific in the Scripture here, which will help us when work feels challenging and when these commands are challenging. The, the Scripture says we are to know something. Do you see how it starts? Verse 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he, he or she will receive back from the Lord. If you're convinced of what this Scripture says, If you're convinced that heaven is real, and that how you live now affects eternity, then you'll be strengthened by this verse in times when it's tough, and you have to endure at work. Because you know that if you work with a right godly attitude, working for Jesus and not for people, you can be certain that Jesus himself will also pay you a salary, Hopefully, you will get your salary on Friday or at the end of the month here on earth. But this passage says that if you work for Jesus, you will also receive a salary, a reward from Christ. God is not unjust, He sees everything. He sees the good and He sees the bad. And Scripture urges, you, urges us to be the best employees because we're working for God, and we know that God will reward those who work for Him. And so if you obey these verses, you're effectively doubling your salary instantaneously because you'll still get your earthly salary, but now you will also get a reward that is in heaven that cannot be touched by the taxman by the stock market going up or down, by thieves, it is a reward forever in eternity. And so I want to really encourage you to not just get over that, ah, well, that's not that. If that's not motivating to you, then you haven't seen it. It's like the treasure in the field that you're just walking right by. And if you do see that, it will motivate you when things are hard at work and will really help you. Lastly, let's talk to employers. Anyone who employs. Anyone who employs. Everything that I've just said about employees actually applies to employers, just in a slightly different way. Because our passage in verse 9 says this, those who employ, those who are masters, those who are employers are to do the same. And that phrase is pointing back to the verses the three verses that have just gone before it all the instructions that have just gone to employees apply to you too mate you thought you were sitting there thinking I'll just wait for my turn no no no. everything that I've just preached about it applies to you because you're actually not working they're not working for you you're working for Jesus you just have a different type of job Just as employees are to be the best employees on the planet if they know Jesus, so to Christian masters or employers are to be the best employers on the planet. They're to treat their staff with value and respect and honor. Verse 6, they're to do the will of God from the heart. You can pray at any time if you're employing anyone in any way and saying, God, what is your will? I want my heart to line up with your heart. God will tell you to do some remarkable things. I want to urge you, you need to pay those who work for you. You need to pay them well. You need to be fair. You need to be generous. Not doing as little as you can for your staff, but doing as much as you can for your staff. Because you too are not working for no one, because I'm the boss. No, you working for God just like the employee is working for God. More than just these general instructions to do everything that the employees are doing, a, a master is given some specific instructions. And I just want to say to you that maybe you think, well, I don't really employ people. Maybe you do, and you just don't think about it. If you procure any services from someone else, where you're paying for something it's to, for someone else to do, you're employing. If you're paying for anyone to look after your child, to cut the grass, to take your child to school, to, if you use a creche, if you have someone working in your home, or if you're a manager in a business or a business owner, then this applies to you. Employers are not to threaten their staff. You're in a position of power and you're not to misuse that power as a believer in Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? You are not to rule harshly, misusing your power and your position. You are not to be unfair. You're to show no favoritism or partiality because God doesn't show favoritism or partiality You to be fair to all. You to be fair in the way that you pay people, whether they are male or female. Is there any reason why they should be paid differently? Whether they are black or white or Indian or Chinese, is there any reason why they should be paid differently? Well, he's only 30 years old and he's six years old. Is there any reason they should be paid differently? Sometimes there's experience and whatever, but you really need to think that one through because sometimes you're just using these loopholes to get away with what you can get away with. You to show no partiality because God shows no partiality. And in dealing with employees, masters and employers need to remember this one thing from our passage That the master of their employee, God, is actually your master too. That this employee that you think you're the master of, actually their master is Jesus. And actually Jesus is your master too. And so there's a humility in this passage. So we need to remember who our ultimate master is. The one to whom we will give an account one day for how we've treated all of those who've ever worked for us. So just a few questions, then we're gonna close. I wanna ask you, do you employ anyone in any way? Does anyone render a service to you that you pay money for? How are you treating them? Has the gospel impacted the way you treat those people? Is there any favoritism, Is there anything that you're trying to get away from or you're trying to get by with the least that you can get by with rather than thinking like God? I want to ask you this morning, is there anything you need to repent of? Because the gospel must impact our workplace dynamics, amen? Whether we're an employee, whether we're an employer, let's ask Jesus to redeem the workplace which has been damaged by the fall but with us in the workplace it can be redeemed and changed and made into a different place you can make a significant difference in the lives of other people in the workplace if you allow the gospel to inform how you see and approach work amen can I ask you to stand up I'm going to pray for you and then we'll bring it to a close let's just all stand can we close our eyes please Just with everyone's eyes closed. I'm going to ask you, if you are currently unemployed, and you're looking for, you are looking for work, but you're unemployed, I would love you to put your hand up high. Not, not for any other reason, just, just that I'd love to see how many hands we have. Just please put up your hand and keep it up. There are a lot of hands going up. Just keep your hand up right now. I wanna pray for you right now because you would love these verses to apply to you. You just don't have work. You'd love to be the best employee, but you just can't get work. I wanna pray for you. Let's just all agree to pray right now. Just with our eyes closed, we don't wanna embarrass anyone who doesn't have work. The first thing I wanna say over you if your hand is up right now is unemployment does not define you. Your love for Jesus and his love for you defines you. And so firstly, Lord, I just pray for everyone who's got their hands up right now. I pray that this morning they would feel the love of God, that they would hear your loving affirmation spoken over them. Lord, that they would know that you are God and that you love them and that you're the God we sang about, that you would kick down a mountain, that you would... Break open doors, and Lord, we want to pray for every one of these people. We just agree together now in the name of Jesus. We say, Lord, defy the statistics of our nation, and we pray for those in our congregation that, God, you would make a way. We ask for this in the name of Jesus. We pray for God's story after God's story after God's story, Lord, because you did a miracle. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. You can put your hands I wanna pray for the rest of us now. I'm assuming you're employed or maybe you're retired, but you're probably still employing people then in some way. Why don't you just lift up your hands? If you've ever paid anyone for a service, you're an employer. And if you've ever worked or you're working, you're an employee. You could be both. And just, why don't you just do business with God right now? What's God said to you? What's God touched in your life right now? Is there an attitude? Is there something you need to repent of? Maybe God is showing you, reminding you of a time when you when you, kind of stole some time where you didn't work hard or you haven't had a good attitude or maybe God's showing you where you haven't been honoring staff members who work for you or people who've ever served uh, served you. I urge you to just give that to God. All of us make mistakes, but just give that to God right now. Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone here. Lord, I pray that we would be billboards for you. We'd be ambassadors for you in the workplace. Lord, we bring to you our attitudes and our actions, and we say, Lord, would you redeem them? and Would you make us the most amazing employees and employers, Lord, on the planet? Lord, we pray that our lives would shout out the goodness and the glory of God. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.